You're on with Barbara. Hey, 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 it's me, Barbara Corcoran, and this is 888-BARBARA. That's right, it's time to answer all your burning questions. From the boardroom to the bedroom, nothing is off limits. So listen up for some advice on how to live your best life. Each week, I'll be answering all your burning questions, and sometimes I'll be asking them too, interviewing some of the greatest folks I know to learn the secrets of their success so I can share them with you. I'm excited to introduce not one, but two phenomenally successful entrepreneurs today, a couple of people I see a bit of myself in, if I could be so proud. We have with us Ariel Charnas, the founder and super influencer, and I mean super influencer, (laughs) behind the hugely popular Instagram and multifaceted fashion brand, you know it, Something Navy. Also with me is Ariel's savvy husband. That's what I was going to say till I laid my eyes on him. (laughs) Drop dead gorgeous husband, Brandon. Hey, looks count. What the heck? Brandon Charnas, the co-founder of Current Real Estate. We're going to find out what's so current about that in a minute. He's a mover and a shaker in the commercial real estate space here in New York. And I'm so, so happy to have you both here. Us too. Thank you for having us. I could go on and on and tell everyone exactly what you've each accomplished in what short period of time. Pretty remarkable. Pretend we're in Shark Tank. Give me your one minute sales pitch of what you want to emphasize. You first, ladies first. So Something Navy started as a style blog 10 years ago, and it's quickly evolved into a lifestyle brand, a multi-channel destination for women all over the world where I can connect and engage with my community. And we are now launching our direct-to-consumer e-commerce platform where we are selling incredible trendy chic products at an affordable price. So giving them the fashion world without breaking the bank, making them feel part of the world that's super clicky, but at a price point that they're comfortable with and engaging with them the entire time, taking their feedback, using that feedback that brands and companies wish for for years and years that we actually have at our fingertips and delivering to them exactly what they want and need. It's uh, incredible. Really incredible. She, it's I, I, so probably much constantly amazed. At it's unbelievable. Just thinking where she started. But I'm curious about one thing that I think runs through everything you touch, the personal touch that people somehow feel you're speaking just to them. How does that happen? And was it right from the get-go you felt like this is a personal message to an individual? She doesn't have any friends. There? Those are no, her friends. Right. Those are her friends. She talks no, to them as if Oh, I see. This is a friends. healthy marriage. It's, okay. <laughs> it's it unbelievable. Didn't, it didn't. I never had that thought in my head. I just sort of was doing it thinking that my family and my friends were watching and that's about it. And I never let go of that. I mean, I still don't ever think about the fact that there's over a million people dissecting my stories and my pictures. I'm just focusing on things that make me happy, things that I do every day. I'm just sharing it, thinking that my parents... My sisters and my husband are watching. So when you're posting, genuinely, you don't have any sense of fear or even hesitation. Like, I wonder what someone will think of this. You just simply say, hey, if my mom and dad would be okay with my close friends, this is okay with me. And you are consistent with that. I don't even think about the parents. Remarkable. I I mean, it's occasionally I will. But when I post, I send it to Anna right there. She edits the lighting and makes the colors look nice. And I post it within two minutes of taking it. And I don't even think twice about it. I mean, afterwards, sometimes I'm like, oh, God, I shouldn't have posted that because of a reaction or a phone call from Mm -hmm. a parent. But Mm -hmm. 
I never think about it. That's uh, pretty remarkable. I would have thought that it would have been uh, hugely curated and uh, edited by a staff of 10. It is. It's edited by her instincts. It's just on her instincts. It's unbelievable. It's all very surreal yeah. where it is now because I didn't have this plan in mind. I didn't have a business strategy. I didn't even think of business. It was just a way to get over a guy. And I was trying to keep myself, <laughs> you know, just busy and keep him off my mind. And, and it worked. And now you know, 10 years later, it's something that I never could have dreamed she, she of. She knows what her followers want. Is, I mean, anyone could have millions of followers, right? Mm. I mean, you but know, you could have happy and fed. It's, is but, it's who are these followers? It's followers that are following her to be influenced or to be like her. you, to be, to be like, like her. you. I want to be her. She's the it girl. It's amazing. It's a two way conversation. She has all this data that she internalizes and then puts forth into product. And that's why you have someone with only a million followers selling over $50 million worth of product in and 10 amazing. months. It's amazing. outrageous, right? I mean, that kind of it's conversion. It's almost sinful. I think you should give me half the money you're making. I think that would be a nice plan for your future and bring you very good luck, by the way. I don't even think about, by the way, everything that he's saying. Yeah. I don't even want to hear about it yes. when I'm like in the office or articles are coming in. I don't like to hear about it because I just want to do whatever you know, it is that I'm doing that makes me feel good and makes me happy. If I feel like I have to hit a mark or the pressure mm. to keep everyone happy, I don't think I'd be able to do my job. Well, I happen to think that's your secret sauce to yeah. your entire success. We'll go back to that in a little I bit. I keep a little bit of the pressure What on. about you? A guy like you looks to me like a smart guy. You have bright eyes. You have great confidence, good posture. I would have said, this guy's too smart to go into the real estate business. Why <laughs> the heck did you pick the real estate business? Oh. You should have talked to me first. <laughs> I know. You know, it's so funny. I think that after all the deals that I was able to do, I would keep going back to my mother and saying, Mom, you know, I just sold this a huge building on Broadway. You know, are you excited that I left law finally? And she'd be like, ah, Maybe you should go back to being a lawyer. Yeah, she lawyer. wants to say my son, the lawyer. <laughs> yeah, the lawyer, exactly. I think it was when I sold ABC Carpet and Home, finally. I know you sold yeah, that. She, finally, wow. she called me and said, okay, Maybe Great it was a job. good move. Maybe, maybe you made the right decision. <laughs> wow. Now, for those of you who might not know ABC Carpet and Home, it occupies a half of a city block. Am I exaggerating when I say that? No. What did you sell it for? It's actually two buildings. It's a complicated deal. We condoed out the retail. Uh, and we allowed the owner to keep ownership, portion of her portion of the retail. Oh, the daughter owns it. And we it. sold mm. the office. Yeah, Paulette. So Cole, they kept, Paulette kept the ground floor, floor and the floor A portion floor of the ground floor. Oh, that's all? That's all. Wow, well, that's a no, sweetheart not a floor deal. Above. But we you're not going to tell me what you sold it for, huh? It's uh, public record. You might as well come clean. Come it's on. about $250 million Oh, my God. Million. I bet I can't ask you what your commission <laughs> was. We typically get between 1% and 2%. But it was that deal, Barbara, that made me not want to go and sell buildings anymore. Why? Because, oh my you know, God, I would think it would drive you on. Actually, when we got married, I told Ariel, I think a day before the wedding two that weeks. I was two weeks before quitting my the job. Wedding. I'm quitting my oh. job as a corporate and you attorney. you said, I want and a prenup. Just, yeah, exactly. Ah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I quit my job and I started hustling. Going and knocking on doors. He would leave creating... dinner and he would walk into a building, take pictures of like the hallway, go see if someone's home to ask them questions. Oh. It was yeah, like. I had to learn everything there was about a building if I but was going to be able to sell I have to interrupt something. That, that was no coincidence that two weeks before you were marrying this powerhouse who had the. I uh, wasn't the market. He's not stupid. <laughs> the markings of someone who was going to be a superstar and a giant breadwinner. You said, what the hell? I'll quit my job. <laughs> I don't need that income. It's exactly right. It's funny it's you exactly say that. Right? Wait, it's funny you, know, you say. Say that because 
I thought her posting her outfits and talking with these people all over the world, I thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> I, th- I said, what is she doing? It's time soon. They were you know, embarrassed. She's going to have to get a job soon. Oh but I'd gosh. say the joke was on me, but I ended up marrying her. Of with course. No prenup. Oh my God. So. Well, I w- it's not too late to do a postnup. I have one. <laughs> On that deal, I realized that my ability to convince an owner who owns something for 60 years to sell mm. finally, not only just to sell, but to sell to my buyer, right? Mm. On that day with this specific sign the agreement, I realized that that's just not scalable. Uh, every deal I felt was a heart attack, me convincing this owner to sell. And I said, I worked with Paul Pariser, for example, mm-hmm. on 817 Broadway, and we ended up buying the building together. And you know, I sold that building to him, and he called me the magician mm. from that deal. He said, you're the force. You're the magician. So I knew that I could not scale magic. So it Why was a not? Bit, I think people do. Paulette would wake up and say, you know, the mercury was in retrograde, which I don't even know what the hell that meant. But It's a, not a good sign. It's not a good sign. And she wouldn't sign that day. So I said, if oh. I'm going to be so beholden to owners, it's not scalable. But here's what I don't get. You're still doing it. No, so I, I, I switched. It was great. From 14 to 17, knocking on doors, I was able to sell a billion dollars worth of real estate. I don't know how I did it somehow by myself. So your actual switches to what? I'm Commercial somehow- leasing. Oh, so you're I saw only, the success. But those deals are tough too. Oh no! If Come some, on. you ready? I need to open up ten thousand square feet. Yeah. Of office space. There's going to be a transaction. If you have the client. Yeah, that was the easiest part. Every brand was soliciting us mm. to either do something with something Navy because they realized the power oh. of its reach and of its engagement and her ability to sell. So, so I you said, you had a ready-built oh, Mastercard. You're looking for. Massword, you want to do a deal with us? By the way, are you looking for office space? Terrific. I and that's how I clever devil. I had no idea this was going on. You know what? I'm starting to worry <laughs> that you should definitely have a post up because he's a clever devil. I know. You're never going to be able to leave this guy. I know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then it started snowballing. And then I realized that not to say brokers aren't great at what they do, but the idea of just finding a property and doing a lease for someone and the amount of commissions that you got paid for office space. Yeah. I felt like no one was doing it differently. No one was giving some value add to the client. So I wanted to find a way, how can I sweeten the pot? I had this huge social media following of my own. People loved watching. And how much did your social media go up once you married this beautiful woman to your right? Hundredfold, tenfold, twice as big. I honestly think it was us together. I mean, I think that both of ours, you know, increased because of people loved watching the they family, like the, story. And the story. And I'm not talking about fashion. I'm talking about a fashion tenant's real estate or fashion mm-hmm. tenant's office space. But also people a lot of so, your family. And family, too. But people are so engaged in that. So mm. people started following us saying, oh, what's the next cool office space he's going to show? Because I want to reach out. I want to be part of that. He uh. did such a great job finding Charlotte Tilbury their space, wow. finding Bandier their space. I want to be part of that. I want him to find me space. So next thing you know, people are reaching out on social media. I'm looking for 10,000 square feet. And next thing you know, we've signed a, a retail lease for them in so Hudson the Yards. So the storyline on that compared to Ariel's storyline, I'm almost picturing a young women following Ariel being insatiable to get the newest thing. Do you have that same kind of verve of the people following you? And I don't know if verve is the right word or enthusiasm to your story, because your story to me, I have to be honest, is cool and stuff. It doesn't sound as exciting as her story. Her story is our story. I wanted to approach a subject that a lot of people ask me about on Shark Tank. On Shark Tank, I never invest in a rich kid. 
I don't because I don't think they have the gun to their head. They don't have to run as hard. They don't have to put the meat on the table, so mm -hmm. to speak. So there's a lot that the poor kid has going for them. I agree. Uh, a lot of motivation that a rich kid has to generate for themselves. So my theory is, is that it's easier for a poor kid to get a business going and grow it because they have so much outward pressure mm -hmm. and they have no expectation, nothing to prove. They have nothing at risk, really. They have no cash, no mm -hmm. cash on the line, no reputation on the line. They're nobody. So who cares what you do? Right. So you could kind of come in the radar. So that's my theory. However, I have two rich kids, right? Mm -hmm. And so my son is very aggressive in business. I'm starting to question my theory, but I want to ask you, you both grew up very comfortably you started these businesses. How did that play for you? Was it an advantage coming from a wealthier background or was it a disadvantage in terms of expectations or what have you? How, I think that there's, that um, especially with her, there's a misconception about how she started posting her outfits and things like this and as if they were purchased by somebody else. You know, her parents did a great thing. They made her work. She had to work in college. She had to work after college. She had to work in high school. That was a must. Your parents say, listen, Not you might want to be an athlete, but you're working after school. Not yeah. even a question. Well, really? just let me preface it by saying my dad came here from Israel when he was 22 with $40 in his pocket. He mm -hmm. never went to college. He was that poor kid who had to make something. And he did. He made an incredible business that he was able to sell for a lot of money. We grew up in a very comfortable lifestyle. We weren't the wealthiest. We grew up in a town that was super wealthy, though. So we were surrounded by that. But my parents always, always made sure that we knew work from day one. We knew the value of a dollar. That wasn't even a question. But the advantage of having money and the comfort is being able to have a good education, go to a good college and learn. I don't know, I guess, well, to have what, that education. Let me ask you that. You, what have you learned in college, quite honestly, that you've used in your business? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So why um, would you put a big value on that? So for me, it was being on my own and taking on responsibility, which I didn't really have to do when I was with my parents in their house. In college, I had to meet deadlines. Things were due. I had to sort of get things done on my own without relying on my parents. When I graduated, my dad didn't give me a dollar. He paid $1,000 actually in rent for me to share an apartment with my older sister. Per month or just to get started so you had a job? No, for rent. I applied everywhere. Everyone rejected me. So I got a job in retail on the sales floor at Theory. I worked there six days a week and I made a lot of commission because I helped men buy several colors in a million Instead different of the things. one that came exactly. in for it. <laughs> so I, I was one, of, was those one of them. You were one of those yes. guys. She sold you more than colors. But I used I that money. So right. while my dad was paying my $1,000 rent, I used the money I was making from Theory to go to Forever 21, H&M, Steve Madden, Aldo, to buy the clothing mm. to post on this website that I launched for $25. There was no money involved in that. Ariel, there was nothing in your mind then when you just launched that. You wanted to share these great clothes. You knew how to wear them. You knew what to say about them. You just thought, this will be interesting. That's yeah. all it was. More like it a made hobby. made me feel good. You I liked never, doing it. never Kept thought of dollars busy. and cents never. other than the money never. you were spending on these inexpensive never. clothes. Never. never. I still I was thinking I still can't believe I still it. Yeah. I feel like yeah, all the yeah. money I make, him, he yells at me for spending on clothing. But that's what I like doing is finding the really cute, trendy pieces and sharing affordable options with my father. 
followers. That's literally what I live for. That's and look, I don't want to say that being comfortable is a disadvantage, but I do think that sometimes being too comfortable and relying on the idea that you have to do the best in high school, do the best in college, then go to law school, then do the best in law school and then go work for you mean a like that place nice like pat Kirk formula Ramellis. for a rich kid. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like sometimes that inhibits you. When I was growing up, I had great ideas that I Think could have been a success on Shark Tank. My first invention was a credit card wallet that you could put credit cards on the back of your phone. It was before mm. they were ever doing I think that. I have one like that. I today. actually so have. You a, started it. You have to gonna, show the commercial. I'm going to show you the commercial we with my wife. On, it was Brandon, what great. about those expectations you uh, touched That's what I'm on? Saying. So, your parents really wanted you to be a lawyer. You oh, went yeah, to law school. They paid the tuition. My God, isn't the son going to do something with it? You didn't feel that that either gave you a buffer or held you back. Which way did it play? I felt it held me back. It caged my sort of entrepreneur spirit. It made me feel like I just was doing things just to do them as opposed to doing them for the benefit of my future and my life. Like mm. I don't regret going and working at an amazing firm like Kirkland Ellis and doing really well in law school and doing really well in college. I'm not the smartest guy ever. It doesn't come to me like with a snap of a finger, but I knew that I had to do the best in college and I had to do the best in law because school. Because of your family. Because of my family. Yeah, that was my goal. Mm. I set that goal for myself and I did whatever it took to get those good Not grades. a bad habit to form. You share something form. in common with Michelle Obama. I heard her lecture recently and she said she had to check off every notch in her belt, go to the right school, go to law school, get the right job at the right law firm. And she said, and then at one point in her life, she listened to her soul. That's exactly and right. And that's when she married a uh, My wife husband. helped me yeah. do that. That's Listening literally what soul. he did. A lot of people don't think you could do that. They say, oh, easy for them. They could always work there. You know, they got everything easy for them. But it's not so easy to listen to yourself. I'll never forget when he came home at two in the morning from the law firm. And I rolled over and I was like, what are you doing still awake? Why are you watching TV? And you were like, I just don't want to wake up in the morning and have to do that all over again. Mm, wow. Every it was day a felt like I was studying hear. for the bar exam. But right now, the, the one thing that she helped me create is my new business. And it's something that relates to exactly what you've created with Corcoran. You know, at the end of the day, we're building a brand. That's what this is. That's where the value is. That's what people buy in that's on. It. That's what guarantees your loyalty. It's all about a brand. Like. So I felt like if I could build current, harness that magic mm. and be able to expand it where I could have brokers all over the world. Someone, local pizza place, wants to get mm. their name out there. I could have a broker join Current and go to that local pizza place and be able to pitch them better than if they had been with another brokerage because mm. of our brand name. It's all about the scalability of it. Well, you're kind of on the same page where you're taking your businesses. I mean, from this point on, your success will be as much about who you hire as your success will be about your individual talent, likewise with you. You know, whenever you want to build mass, what comes into play is how savvy are you with people? How clever are you? How do you motivate people? How do you recognize their gifts? How do you get them in the right position? How do you promote them? All the details of building a business. So yeah. I think as if you're in tune with people and really listen, I think you can develop that trait. Yeah. But I think it's got to be three quarters God given. You think you have that? You think with your staff now, you know, you have that magic dust, which has a way of attracting people, and you've got it going also with your new enterprise. And I think what so we've done you. with Ariel's business now, in the sense that she's building an asset, it's creating enterprise value, right? Mm -hmm. Her business has employees. She's now building certain processes in place where it's not just- But you went beyond that. You got a CEO, I think, yes. very yeah. recently. You raised a ton of money yeah. to seed your company. From what I read about you, you almost gave up the reins. Yeah. Am I getting the wrong impression? How no. do you give away your power and entrust it in someone else's hand? Because like I said, I didn't think about any of those things and I don't want to. So mm. I let him 
take the power of that. That lets me do what I like to do. My, my, so you're taking the power of. Well, I, my he, goal I was. I didn't know he was really involved in that day to day. No, it was behind getting, the scenes. I involved. wanted to get her business to a place where it allowed me to go focus on my business. Yes. But it put her in, in the best position to make. The ma- creative spot. That's yes, what you love. To succeed. That's what I love. The creative mm. spot, but control of her business. You know, we were looking but, at so many different deals for her business where it was just going to be a license, right? Where you mm. just could take the name and you license Terrible. and someone else makes the product. And to me, it was not, for, scalable. Her. not yeah. for her. She never would be able to control where that license went. She wasn't creating an asset for our children. I wanted her to partner with a CEO that was going to build a real asset with processes in place at something Navy so that it can become a massive enterprise. But still, didn't you have to, Ariel, uh, take a gulp? Yes. Yes. What did I do? I mean, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing that right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone that we hire, they look at their resumes, their backgrounds, what they've done before, their experience. I go by gut instinct. Are you going to be involved in the hiring process? I've been. Everyone. Even with the new CEO in place, you want to stamp, hey, we like that guy, we don't like that guy. It took me eight months to get comfortable with the CEO. Yes, at least. I was preparing for it because I had been meeting people. I mean, every CEO is reaching out to you, to reaching out to her. Like They reach out, they want to meet. So I've met with so many people who could have been great Perfect for this role. I couldn't falsely. I finally found someone that was literally the Michael Jordan or the Barbara Corcoran of supply chain and product. I had to partner supply chain and product with the best marketer. And the two coming together, it took a while because she doesn't maestro, trust anything. Guy. He's oh a my little God. maestro. No one knows anything. and no one believes. He is the power, I'm telling you, behind what has happened now with something new. The growth. Let's yeah. hope it works out or your marriage is over. Uh, yeah, exactly. If this thing goes wrong, you not only lose the business, you're I not could tell you, Barbara, rep- you're going to lose this I chick. Could, I could it. tell you he will wrong. not allow it to go wrong. Yeah. I could promise you he lives and breathes you know, for this. Like, all right, all right. I believe it. I'm going to move on. But, 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 but you should know right what you there. know and know what you don't know. Yes. but a lot, I don't know about hiring a CEO. So I brought in someone that knows how to hire the right CEO. Yeah. Mm, but what I like in this mix, quite honestly, is that your intuition is still in the bowl. It's, Move it's, it around. it's the whole everything. Business. You can't give that up. Everything mm. I do is gut instinct. Yeah. They all yell at me like, why are you asking what her birth sign is? Like, I need to know the things that you wouldn't normally ask in an interview. I want to feel the conversation. I want to feel the vibe. They'll interview and vet people. They can't be hired unless I meet them beforehand. Mm-hmm. You might be interested to know that of the many, many entrepreneurs that I've worked with over the years, interview on the podcast, that the number one reason the businesses fail and what they say after it fails is, you know, I knew in my gut it was the wrong move, but I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. It's always giving up that gut that yep. is a, the end all this, in a bad way. This yeah. CEO so, so totally to understands that. You that. understand it too. Yeah. You still got your finger in the hiring and yep. trusting. Everything. What sign are you? I want to be interviewed what by you. What sign are you? Pisces. <gasps> Our daughter. I'm either a drunk or a producer. <laughs> I happen to be a big producer. <laughs> but you go but one way or the other. Are you very yeah. sensitive? I was younger, but no, I think I could have been an artist, but I picked a hardcore world and I think it toughened me up. Somewhere in there, I'm probably a softie, but I doubt it. (laughs) I I can't find it anymore. You mentioned a few minutes ago that when you were starting your business, you were recovering from a bad love affair. Yeah. I too, when I started my first company, Corcoran Simone, uh, was recovering from a love affair because my boyfriend and partner married my secretary. Oh my God. At the time, it seemed like the worst thing in the world. In hindsight now, I see it nothing more than a lucky break. Yep. How did that play out for you? I mean, exactly. Did it motivate you and does it motivate you today? Exactly what you said. In the 
that time, I thought my life was over. I was like, I'll never be happy again. Like, what am I going to do with myself? Was he your first true love? First, Mm. yeah. Those are the tough ones. Yep. In the beginning, like I said, it was horrible. But now when I look back, I want to, like, send him, like, a thank you, God. Thank you. You know, because he really did (laughs) change my life. I mean, the reason why he said he broke up with me was because he thought that— I was so young and I needed to find myself and I wasn't ready to be in a relationship. He could be, right? He was absolutely right. But I had no idea. I thought that it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He was older than you? Yeah. Mm. What happened was I wanted to get revenge by looking really good on the (laughs) internet and for him to see it and come back. Ah. By the way, I have to say- But why didn't you choose negligees? And by the way, what did you have to do with this? Uh, This was your other boyfriend. I'm scared of her- being motivated about something. I'm telling you, I, I've seen it before. Like when she was, actually gets motivated and wants to accomplish something. It took you know, over. Get it. It's it took get over. Get out of her way. I became obsessed. He never came back, but I started interacting with women all over the world. I fell in love with what I was doing, putting together looks, but shooting them. But you dressing just for him initially. Exactly. Like look it was how just good for him. I look. Yes. You'll regret this But it move. wasn't like a sexy negligee kind of thing. It was mm. like, I just wanted to look pretty and for him to see that I was doing something mm. because I was not doing anything. I was in college and just having fun. Have you heard back from him since? I see him all the time. You do? And, what does he say? Gee, I wish I could. And you know what's so interesting is, well, it's terrible to say, but say during this whole time, things. he had millions of girlfriends and I was like, why should he be able to move on and have girlfriends and mm. and not even care? And I'm stuck here, like trying to like post pictures of myself on the internet. Like Absolutely. I look like an idiot. He had he's, it all. You didn't. I get it. I think 38, single, has never been married. He's only going to look good for maybe another five years. <laughs> <laughs> he is in the same industry, so he definitely follows everything that I've been doing. And every time I see him, he's lovely. I mean, just so kind and, you know, always congratulating me. But it's pretty crazy how it went. My mom always said, it'll come full circle. You'll see. And I never understood that. Well, we have a surprise for you today. I didn't want to break the surprise, but we have invited him to join us. So (laughs) come on in. Come on in. All right. I love him. He's like, no, no, no. Get it. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Come on, get him in. We're going to sit him down, pull up a chair. That would kind of be amazing. amazing. We're going to put him smack between the two of you. Yeah. I almost got you. Okay. I want to ask you about a detail that I read and I found it almost... Not believable. But if you say it, I'll believe you because you have great credibility. Okay. And you could back her up because you're saying something about everything, whether we want to hear from you or not. That is exactly 100%. Oh, tell me about the partnership with Nordstrom's. I always say they were Nordstrom's. Yeah. Is it really true that your first line simply closed down the whole website of Nordstrom's? That's how much the traffic was. The first three. Three times. The first three 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 times shut it down. My God. How the could they let it happen a second and third it's time? It's actually they outrageous. Were they had a, different reasons a war room. each time. They had a war room so that we were prepared every morning. <laughs> oh, but but before the big catastrophe at their expense, yeah. not your own, I guess. How did that happen? You just walked in one day and you said, "Hey, I got a closing line. I have a good following, and I'd really like to sell my stuff at you." No, they actually approached happen? me. They came to my agency. They asked to set us up to do a capsule collection their brand, Treasure and Bond, I would design a little capsule collection for them. For that, my sake and for people listening, yeah. what's a capsule collection? So a capsule collection is a 10 to 12 piece collection within a pre-existing brand. Well, Nordstrom had some in-house brands. One of them is Treasure and Bond. And they brought me on to create a capsule collection. That capsule collection within the first 24 hours sold over a million dollars. Unbelievable. Um, How many I thought that actual was... pieces of garment did you have available to sell? Ooh, I don't know that answer. Uh, 
thousands and thousands. It's averages. But only like 10 or 12 items. 10 or 12 items, yeah. Right. And you sold, tell me again, how many did you sell? It sign? was a little over a million dollars in the first 24 hours. Unbelievable. For the, for the capsule collection. So when they saw the success of the capsule collection, they came back and a year later we launched Something Navy, the standalone brand with Nordstrom. That collection sold almost $5 million in the first 24 hours. Unbelievable. And that's when the website crashed. That's when the website crashed. They didn't Um, see that coming with the forerunner there? You know, they really didn't. I don't think that any of us did. This was very new for them. It was new for the influencer world. And they were actually hesitant because they had hired celebrities. They've launched collections with celebrities way bigger than me. They did Rihanna. Beyonce. Beyonce. Rihanna, great success. It never... But it with never the same following you had? Bigger. Bigger. I bigger. So that goes That's back to where I started, that magic relatability. that you have. Yep. Relatability. That's and they, Nordstrom is great with data. They did a lot of studying to understand who they were going to launch this platform with first. Mm. And that's why they picked Ariel. So they used all of their technology that's at their disposal. And they're the best. Nordstrom's number one in tech, in data, in social media. They're the best. So we wanted to partner with the best. Are they really the best they are in the, best. the brick and mortar stores out there? They are. I see. And we wanted to partner with the best and we wanted to make the best products. At the end of the day, we could have just made them ourselves and sold them direct to consumer then, but we didn't have the experience yeah, in making the products. Yeah, I learned so much from so this she learned experience. so I much learned from the experience. So, so we wanted smart. to like de-risk team. it. I learned it was not on our dime. We learned about inventory. We learned about customer service. I learned about the design process and I had the most incredible design team and it All was kinds just, of products. I needed to Tell her about it. when you went there and they brought you to every single yeah, department. Learned, we went through each department at Nordstrom before I launched Something Navy brand, the standalone brand, and they pitched me all different categories. Bags, shoes, swimwear, lounge, lingerie, well, everything. They're pitching you to design something for all They wanted of those. to include into I Something see. Navy. How so did we you limited. arrive on your 12 items? Well, this is for Data. the standalone. This isn't yes. the 12 items. This Data. is like the full collection. It was like 70 pieces, yes. the first one. She Still told limited. her audience, what do you guys want to see? Do you want to see uh, this kind of product? I used my poll it was sticker on Instagram. Do you guys want me to create bags and luggage, or do you want me to create sunglasses do you want me to create swim or do so you want me to create voted. they voted they voted how smart are you but so there you were really things... were test marketing before you put your pencil on a paper yep. two-way do conversation you still do that today with everything? Every everything you're in that enviable position of opening a line and getting a very early heads up on how much you should produce exactly. but is it reliable once you poll your audience is it reliable it's or do not, you suddenly find that something it's not 100 percent reliable but we have someone now who's studying my sales from Nordstrom, studying my affiliates and seeing what sizes people are swiping up on, what's, mm. what pieces people are swiping up on, what colorways people are swiping up on. So we're getting all that information on top of it. And do you use your intuition in the end to make those percent. But Even it's still if it the doesn't data, feel though. right, you know, I just I was, do what I want. I was watching this documentary last night where they said that data has just surpassed oil as the number one asset in the world. I think so. And a lot of uh, wasted money on it, by the way. Yeah, it but with really her, kill the creativity it things. can, but she's internalizing that data. It's not that she's a designer. She's mm. a merchandiser at the end of the day. That's what I Ralph Lauren, both. maybe both, but she's not doing the I'm sketches. Not she's not sketching. It's curation. I know what they want. She mm-hmm. knows what they want. She knows what they want to see together. She knows what they're going to buy because mm-hmm. she knows them so well. I also see when I post something, what they're all writing to me about and freaking out about. Oh my God, where's that sweater from? Oh my God, I love that detailing on that sweater. Mm. I use that. And I hand that to my and designer also, and we work with it. And the crazy thing is, is I saw that success of how she would pull her audience and her consumers. So I started doing the same thing for retail. So for Bandier, when we wanted to open up their second store, I started polling everyone in New York and saying, hey, where do you guys want to see Bandier's next store? 
So where, it took a lot of the risk Where do people of, want to shop? Wow. Yeah. So I provided that data to Bandier. We got thousands and thousands. We're going to launch a store so she, in April when I relaunch the brand. It's going to be unreal. But and I what's pulled, the location of that new store? Not anything that they voted for. Really? And was it downtown, uptown? So they all voted course, for Soho. Think. Yeah, they yeah. all voted for Soho. We don't, well, we don't I'm know not, where it's going to no, be yet. I'm not doing Soho. Yeah, and why not? I'd be curious. Because one of the questions I asked them about was, what's the first thing they think about when they think of New York City mm. and something Navy? And they wrote Sex in the City. So mm. my thought process is I want to have a store that is in that area yes. where it's like all about New York and Carrie Bradshaw and like super Sex in the City vibes. And that's where I want the store. Okay, let me ask about notoriety. There is so much value in fame. Whatever you're famous for, as long as it's not for going to jail or something or whatever is bad. But if you have fame for any positive reason, what a power card to trade on. It affects everything in your life, without a doubt. Yeah. I'm curious how that plays out in your personal life. I'm curious how that plays out in your family life and also in your heart and soul the public versus private, the exhaustion level of being on display, of having your kids, the yeah. first haircut, that you put all this detail which people relish and can't get enough of. How does that really fit you once you get behind the closed door? Or is there a closed door? I feel like even behind your closed door, you're still posting, 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 minute by minute yeah. of your life. What does that do to your soul? It's not a closed door. It's very open, 24-7. Yeah, I was sleeping yesterday, and I woke up, and apparently I was in a music video or something. It wasn't and a music Anna, video. It was, was a snoring party. to the beat or something? <laughs> it was for a partnership with Parachute, so it was a betting thing. The betting. And you didn't tell them. You just let no. them be rumpled in the bed because yeah. it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Are you good in bed, by the way? Bed. That's where we okay. draw the line. So you do turn there off. There are the... some closed doors. Okay, so we know you turn off the camera yes. once in a while, but, but um, short of something as intimate as that, really, how does that feel? It's different than celebrity. It's a different kind mm. of celebrity. It's more invasive, but at the same time, it's not as fan crazy. They feel like they know you and they feel like they're your friend. So it's not, you know, thousands of people hovering over wherever you go with cameras in your face. It's very much like, Hi, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting you in person. Like, you're my best friend. You're always, always performing, performing, putting yeah. out, putting out. But I'm not doing anything that I normally wouldn't be doing. I'm just putting it Being on the a business camera. you're in. Yeah. But also, you know, my business is documenting my regular lifestyle. And I have Anna following me everywhere with my iPhone. It's not invasive to me because I don't think about what we're doing. I'm just like, okay, she's there. I like hanging out with her and she's. Holding the phone up, you so know. So you don't so even uh, know Anna's present. She's I don't, just documenting. It's just your hanging life. out with some, and it's sometimes it's not even her. It's the other girls in my office, or it's my husband doing it, and it's it doesn't feel invasive. But what feels invasive is hate. the bullying, the hate, the unsolicited advice. And you read your own posts and responses. I read everything. everything. No one touches Why my Instagram. Why would you not protect yourself from that? I honestly don't feel like I can. I Why? also don't feel like I even when know how to, but just you know because- know how to protect yourself once you hear the criticism? I could not tough. handle that, and I'm a tough bro. I cry to him in moments like that, but I think that for me, it's focusing on the positive feedback from my followers, the women who are following me for the right reasons, the women that have been following me since before I even met him and followed the journey and just always give me that- Love. Love. But Ariel, really, what's to be gained by exposing yourself- right in the face with severe, unfounded criticism. What's to be gained by that? Why wouldn't you take the luxury in your life right now to protect yourself and let someone at the office handle that? My followers would really be upset 
if I wasn't open. It's just your bad guys. Yeah, but one, I try not to respond to it because it's gotten to a point of... But you read it nonetheless. I read it. Don't you absorb it? I absorb it. I talk to him about it and I move on. It's a new day. But I I don't respond just because it fuels a fire that now goes to press outlets. I never had that until the last year and a half where I've become a little bit more successful. And it's not just, you know, a blogger on Instagram. It makes headlines. People are trying to take her down. That's tough. So I don't respond on social media in those Those situations. But still reading them. I want to share with you some change I made in my life just because I'm on your husband's side on this one. I just think it's mean. I don't like the people doing that to you. Okay. So years ago, I was at the Ray Ray show and I asked her, how could you be so natural on air? You're the same with the live audience as you are with the camera. No difference. No airs whatsoever. Not the business you're in, but Mm -hmm. the parallel I think will hit home. And I said to her, how do you do that? She said, I never watch myself. I'm getting fat. I'm getting old and I'm only going to get worse. I'm like, well, that's depressing. (laughs) But I went home and I was watching myself on Shark Tank that night and my sister was saying, your lipstick is too dark. My mother was saying, I think you should wear your hair more to the side. (laughs) Uh, Then I'm looking at followers uh, criticizing this, that. And I decided never to watch myself again or read any criticism. Somebody at the office does it. Maybe you could say I'm an Eiffel Tower. They send me the compliments. I feel like a million bucks. I never see myself. I've gotten eight years older. I still think I look fabulous because I've never you seen do. myself on TV for years. Do you eight use years. social media? You do look right. Yes, I do, of course, for following, but I don't use it in the way you, well, of course, your empire is built on it. For me, it's a sidewinder, vastly different. I can't even call it social media, the same thing you're calling it. But what I'm saying is protecting myself from the negatives gave me so much energy to focus more on the positives and take care of the people who love me. But here's my issue. No one's on my Instagram besides me. So if I don't read the DMs and respond to the girls who are writing me, mm. then I lose my business. I need to interact with them. So, so I you can't, must do that directly yourself. I could I have see. someone go mm. on I, and clean out yeah, yeah, if you they could. see you negative. Could. I'll do it for you. I, for actually, <laughs> I, I think that yeah. the future of social media is it'll end up stopping a lot of that a lot of the hate and bullying that goes on and harassment. I think that they will. It's like hoping that war stops. I've had conversations, but I think they're going to get better. You think so? I do. Good. Well, I'm going to pretend I'm an optimist like you and say, good. I can't wait. (laughs) I'm with you on that one. I think I'll have somebody vet my stuff. you right. Yeah. That's a good idea. So uh, how do you do it all? How do you raise two kids? I mean, these are the questions I'm always asked. How do you do it all? Well, they're out of the house. That's how you do it all. <laughs> but you've got two young kids. You work how many hours a week, would you say? Oh, God. How many 80 hours a week? Well, 80. Yeah. yeah. 80 yeah. each. 16 of the 24 hours would be my guess a day. My work is 24-7. Well, you I'm don't work when you're sleeping unless you're having your brains no, recorded. No, eight hours, it's free. But yeah. other than that, I'm, to sleep. I'm working. Yeah, 16-hour day is ridiculous. You're probably doing the same whether yeah. you want to be involved or yeah. not to that degree. How do you do it and not get exhausted? You look like you just came off a yacht. You look gorgeous. You look rested. How do you do that? Really, I'm, Honestly, I'm I, annoyed at you. <laughs> I don't believe that there's one specific secret. I think every day I try to, you know, when I'm in the office— be 100% committed to being in the office. And when I'm home, I try to be 100% committed to being home. It's tough, but I have to be honest. I think that hiring help and a nanny, it's something that I get yelled at all the time about on my Instagram. Well, guess what? Uh, trust you don't me, have to I'm, read that either. I know. Yeah, I'm 100% yeah, yeah. with you. But in the summer, we... We're in the Hamptons. We rent a house. And I kind of get a taste of being a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. It's not Not something for me or for my daughter. They're both so busy. They have classes Mm. and school. They don't even spend more than 5 to 7 p.m. with me, bedtime Mm. and dinner. 
But so, still, at times, you feel guilty. I do still. Ju- so like I'll tell you why. This mm-hmm. morning when I was getting her ready, she said, I don't want to go to school and I don't want mommy and daddy to go to work today. Oh. That, that's where it hurts your heart. because She's like, a killer. That was brutal. How old is she now? Three and a half. No, wow. but then she. Go- I drop her at school and she's the happiest person ever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's words, but I don't feel guilty though. I really don't. I feel like we feel almost like trained to just say that because it's almost like a- Expected. Yeah, expected. Yeah. But I don't feel guilty. Like when I go to work, I'm so happy there and I love my kids, but I don't really think that much about them when I'm there. I'm really focused on my work. And then I leave by 3.30 and I'm home with the kids for the rest of the day. And I feel like I get great time in with them and weekends are wow ariel i'm sure you're a great mom thank you Um, when i was raising uh, my oldest boy who's now 26 i was already a very old mom but every mom that i was friends with was either working or stay at home the great majority stay at home moms they could afford to i could have afforded to but i didn't opt to i love my work and i have to tell you every time we met for the mom breakfasts or dinners or whatever we got together Every mom at the table, without exception, was feeling guilty. The ones who were working were feeling guilty because they weren't 24-7 moms. And the ones who were 24-7 moms, well-educated, intelligent women, were feeling guilty because they didn't have a job. All of my mom friends who don't have jobs are now trying to start something and asking me to promote it. Mm. (laughs) That's literally what's happening. Every single one of them is starting a food Instagram or like a home organizer Instagram interior design. And I'm promoting them so that they can have a job and a business. You know what I think? I think you should delegate that too. I have someone just for that in house meet with them. You don't have the time I for know, that. You I know. give away inches and inches. It's and hard though because they're friends. So what do you do? That's an, another thing that people don't really talk about is the friendship. You know, it's hard to make new friends and to know what people are coming to you for and mistrust. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really make a lot of new friends. Which so is your hard. best friends are your old friends because you know when they and were my coming two sisters. to you. Well, I got yeah. lucky with sisters. God, that's double blessed. Yep. yep. But with a new friend who is quite genuine, do you think you're always a little paranoid always. thinking, what do they want? Always. What do they want? Always. Because if it's not, not right be? away, eventually there's something that comes up. It's just. Can the, you come to my event? Can the you difference come to this? Can you. She, that doesn't preclude she's not the a fact bullshitter. That they wanted though. to be your friend. It doesn't. But they wanted to be my friend originally for not the right reasons. You yeah. know, like she's cool or she has a lot of people following her or she's famous you know so it's public you yeah so you know it's tough because i show a life on instagram but there's a different part of me off instagram that you know even friends and family don't see and they all just look at what happens on instagram so she gives too much right she just thinks everything should be unconditional and like you only have your family and, and and everyone else that are friends there's always a transaction occurring or you help me with this and I help you with that and just but she has a lot more to she's get. too it's much she's just hello how do you I know do it? exactly it's a it's a, it is but you have to trust in some people and just do what makes you happy and if they're using you for one thing but it's not really using you and you help them with something and then they help you you shouldn't not worry about it like as long as you have your family and your kids and you know that's all that matters right I can say I can identify with her feeling very much it's like you're being pursued doesn't feel like friendship. French, friendship exactly. leans on equality. Yep. You could be better at this, they could be better at that, but there's got to be equality for friends not to feel as though they're subordinate or above right. you. So that is not necessarily the best place to start. I will tell you one thing I did when I sold my business, I never knew how many friends I had. Everybody I knew my whole life had a $10,000 problem. And mm-hmm. I got very good advice from my accountant who said, tell them you love all their ideas. It still happens with Shark Tank. You love it. You love it. Talk to my accountant. I never heard from them again. So I'm going to ask you to make predictions. Where do you think in a general way, Ariel, that social media is headed 
and its effect on the overall landscape of retail. Social media started as a quick fix of inspiration, and now it's a massive ecosystem where you could sell, buy, trade, entertain, inspire. And I think that they're going to, well, I'm hoping they're going to uh, make shopping a little bit more friendly, user-friendly through social media and not just on shopping websites. So shopping capabilities. Stop on that for a minute. When you say make it a little more friendly, you mean? Let's do it all in one place. Yeah. I want to shop right from that Instagram picture. I want to do my whole checkout through there. You want to buy this outfit? I want to go to another website. I want to do everything in one place. could you accomplish that now? They're trying. You still have to leave your website to, leave, to order that. You leave her page. You have to swipe up. They're trying. They're, they'll, but it's they'll getting get better. Yeah. I think video is becoming the main thing there right. with social media. My Insta stories is my number one platform. I post a picture every day, once a day, but the only thing I truly use and care about are my stories. And I believe the same to be true for my followers. And now with my static feed, I'm posting more videos than I am pictures just because I can't tell a story in a four by six photo, especially with partnerships and product. Like I'm not going to stand there with a cream in my hand. Like I want to talk about it. I want to show how I use it. I want to show why it's good. And you should be able to buy it right from watching that video. You shouldn't have to go anywhere. When is that going to change? I'm I'm annoyed by it now. Power of like that reality TV vibe. People want to see the real story. They want to see the drama. They They want to see see what what really is going on. Not a pretty photo in Capri with a boat and a cute bathing suit. Yeah. It's, it's more trustworthy. It's more to it. It's and, right in tune with and who we, you we are. St- I mean, we literally studied her followers and there's certain stats that really caught yeah, my eye. Yeah, we hired this company. Did you know that 97% of people that watch her stories, they actually click all the way through and finish them? That's really interesting. I'm not watching your stories. I don't want to spend <laughs> the time on it. You know what else I thought was so interesting when we studied them? 70% of them buy based off of recommendation. So they buy based off of what someone else is telling them, mm, either a peer sense. or through social media. It's not just people that are following her that live in New York, L.A. It's like Nashville we saw. We saw Orlando. South Carolina, Orlando. Mm. I mean, just incredible. They yeah. don't want to waste their time. Just yes. make it easy for me. Mm. And that's what we're going to do with our e-commerce site. That's what I'm going to do with the clothing that we're creating. It's just exactly what they want without overspending with good quality that they can wear more than once. That's the goal. Just make it super easy for them. And that's the same thing with shopping on Instagram. Just make it easier. When do you think that change is going to happen, that you could actually click on that adorable outfit you just posted? It's happening now. It's happening. It's not as simple as it needs to be. It's going to get more efficient. Okay. Now she's talking about the retail space. All right. I walk up and down Madison Avenue constantly. I'm more uptown than downtown. Uh, There are so many empty stores. I would guess one in three or one in four are empty right now. Everything that she's capitalizing on in the fashion space, I would think would be diametrically opposed to big brands renting office space. What's going to happen to those guys? I'm thinking, is this a blast from the past? Is retail over? You mean retail space, is not retail office. retail space over? Retail space. Yeah, but you're in the real estate game. You're so- For like an Abercrombie and Fitch is the marketing person and the person in charge of real estate were never talking. The real estate person would just go and pick the best rent in this location based mm. off of the foot traffic. But now they really have to take into account the e-traffic. Right. Because before they actually go to a store, 90 percent of them are making purchases by interacting with a brand online first via social media. So you have to be talking to your marketing person about where to open up. And that marketing person should be polling the consumers and creating that two way conversation about where those consumers are, I, and where they I want to be a marketing person for one of your clients. Take that heat. I'd be scared. I'd be like pumping my resume around. For sure. Yeah. And one last question. Okay. 
each of you, if you could point out one thing that makes someone a winner, what would you say it is? Can I say two things? What the hell? Go for okay. it. My first thing for me is gut instinct. Just following your gut always, 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 always. But do you um, think everyone has a good gut? No, mm. but this is what leads me to my second thing. So Silas is one of our investors for Something Navy. What a compliment. Yes, he's fantastic. Big player. Uh, he's the most incredible man ever. I sat with him and I spoke with him and he told me one of the keys to success is finding that perfect partner that compliments you. Well, so, of course he's going to say that. So but for me, it's the <laughs> fact that I have this being the perfect duo with the person that I brought on as my CEO mm. is what I think is going to make my business beyond successful. Having that person who knows the supply and demand, supply chain, supply chain and me as the marketer. And is already doing it. And is, is already doing it and, handing, tense, and, right? and giving us that infrastructure. That partnership, I think, is what would be the winning so you're free to fly, stretch your wings, be creative, exactly. trust your instinct, exactly. and have a larger Someone image else. of where you exactly. want to go and just go with it. Exactly. All right. Fair. And how about you? My former career as a lawyer and working as a corporate lawyer, I'm going to give an ode to that career path. I think that the most important thing is to always ask why, right? Don't ever take just no for an answer without understanding why the answer was no. And why do you need to know the why? Helps you get past the no or? In order to change your position on things, you have to know where the answer from. is coming from, mm-hmm. right? In order to figure out a way around it, right? Mm-hmm. In order to figure out a way to knock through the wall, to get past it, to get a deal done, you have to know why Great someone's saying no. advice, I might say. To me, yeah. understanding the why is what people don't do when I see my young associates that start to work for me, they'll say, you know, a landlord will say, nope, I'm not going to take that price. But that person never did the job to go figure out whether there's debt on the property, what that person's paying in debt. what, Or even to know, ask why. Or even ask why. You know, what right. do you object to here? You know, the one thing I learned from law school, I learned how to be a detective almost. Mm, so like mm-hmm. I know that if the reason why it's coming out this way is because there's a certain statute that was passed that they're relying on in order to give you this answer. So you have to either argue against the statute or you're arguing facts, but without knowing what the statute said, you'd never be able to make a good case to convince a jury or convince a judge otherwise. So anytime something comes up, I'm always saying, where is this coming from? Mm. Why Before do you I love just him? take no Why for an answer. Why do you love this guy? To your passion. His passion. Oh my God, it's the Non-stop. best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. His drive, his passion, his loyalty to what he believes in. And why do you love her? Come on, we're making this a romance ending here. <laughs> He this, wrote me the best anniversary card. It was three pages. Like, who does that anymore? Big deal. I'd rather oh. have a diamond. Oh, That's he's getting me that, too. I got oh, that. Yeah. getting there, that also. When oh. is it coming, by the way? Soon. Yeah, oh. soon. I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> no, how? Uh, 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 uh. So we doubled dip today, the happy couple. Okay, but what a delight to spend time with you, really. I learned thank so much. You. I learned double, double. Usually, Thanks for having yeah. us. Thank you so much for so having fun. us. Okay. Thank you so for nice being here. So nice to meet you. Yeah. Good thank luck you so with much. You. Go check us out on our website, currentreadvisors.com, and you could see some of the amazing office space that we've gotten for our clients in the past and awesome marketing that we've done for our clients as well. Everyone follow somethingnavy.com and subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at somethingnavy. And I guess that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Let us know your thoughts. Think I got it right? Think I got it wrong? Have an idea for a great guest? Just tweet me at Barbara Corcoran using the hashtag 888Barbara. And keep those questions coming in to the 888Barbara hotline.
You can subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't be coy. Leave a review for the show at Apple Podcasts and keep the party going on. We'll see you next time. 888 Barber is produced by Sandy Smolens for Audiation. And Lila Mann is our executive producer. Audiation.